Well, welcome everybody. My name is Don, and I'm just so glad that you're here today. And before we get started, I want to let you know about something that's happening next weekend. On Saturday at 6.30, we're going to be having a will and trust seminar. And this is provided by a CFR, who's our financial partner. And this is just a great opportunity. If you haven't ever put together a will, um, I know that's bad. This is a great opportunity to have it done for free. And this is a free service they provide. Again, next Saturday, 6.30, you can find out more information inside your bulletin or you can head out to the Connect Wall after service and we can give you information there as well. Well, hopefully you're having a great Labor Day weekend. Uh, you're getting a chance to get outside this weekend, maybe some barbecuing, time with friends and family. I know that's what I wanna do. And we are just so glad that you're here. Well, if you're, if this summer, if you've been coming, you realize that we are in a series called The New You and we've been examining nine qualities that can make you a better version of yourself. And we call these qualities the nine, or the, the fruit of the Spirit, and we find them in Galatians chapter 5. Now, over the last 10 weeks, we've said them together, we said them out loud, and I'm going to do the same this morning, but because this is the last time, I want you guys to say them really nice and loud, just like you're in school. If I can't hear you, the ushers are going to bring you to the front row. Okay, you guys ready? Let's say them nice and loud. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So I'm sure you guys are pretty smart. Can you guess what our last fruit is? Self-control. You guys are right. So it, I don't think it's by any accident, and we talked about this in the very beginning, that love was the first one on the list. And I'm really not surprised that the last one on the list is self-control, because as we start to get a handle on both of those, those seven in between really start to fall into place. But let's remember, these are all one fruit, and God's working on all of these in our lives to make us more like Him. So let's just jump in this morning, and we're going to talk about self-control. Well, if you watch any of the world news today, you start to realize that there are a lot of countries that have kind of went into complete out of control, and they're in sheer chaos. And that's because when we lose control and the government becomes corrupt, there's little trust with one another. People steal. Some people hate. People curse. They overindulge in alcohol and into drugs to escape. Sex trafficking continues to rise. People cheat on their spouses. They cheat on their taxes. And they seek personal gain for pleasure. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? It's not just other countries anymore. It's here in America as well. So whether you're in another country or you're in America, the truth is when people lose control, they have a lack of self-control, the results are always going to be the same. And it doesn't matter whether you're young or old or whether you're rich or poor, the truth is we've all had or we're still having a problem in this area of self-control. And the examples are way too many to list today, but we're going to try to touch on a few of them. So what I want you to do is I want you to just sit back and relax, and we're going to have a nice, comfortable conversation about self-control. It's one of the things we love to talk about, especially when it's ourself, isn't it? Well, I have to tell you, before we started the series, Ben had said, hey, would you mind teaching one of the new you um, portions of it? And I said, sure, I've got no problem with that. Um, he goes, I'll send you some of the fruit that haven't been picked up yet. Now, when you're following the lead pastor and you're following Brandon, who was here last week, which, by the way, it's great to follow somebody like Brandon, but when you're following them, it's kind of like the draft. You're not really sure what's going to be left on the table, but when I saw self-control on the list, I jumped all over it because when you write or you speak about something that you're familiar with, it's way easier, and to tell you the truth, I'm pretty familiar with this one. Matter of fact, some people might even say that 
I'm kind of like an expert on this. Well, maybe not an expert on self-control, probably more the lack thereof. My mother would probably tell you I was a prodigy uh, growing up, but I'm not alone. The Apostle Paul, probably the greatest Christ follower that had ever lived, he had this to say about self-control, and maybe it sounds something like what you would say, maybe it's something that uh, I know that I would say. He says in Romans 7.15, I don't understand myself at all for what I really want to do what is right, but I can't. I do what I don't want to do what I hate. How about you? Do you ever feel that way? Do you ever feel that the good that you really want to do, you just can't seem to do it? And when you get a step forward, you only take two steps back. Well, Paul goes on in in 16, I know perfectly well that what I'm doing is wrong, and my bad conscience proves that I agree with these laws that I'm breaking. But I can't help myself because I'm no longer doing it. It is sin inside me that is stronger than I am that makes me do these evil things. Let's be honest, every one of us has a behavior or a habit, something in our lives that we wish we could control, which is a little bit more self-discipline and a little more self-control. Listen to this article that was in Newsweek magazine. I'm addicted to cocaine and I'm crying for help. A few weeks ago, I took the first step and went to the local emergency room where I was hoping that they would admit me for a few days to begin a detox. I was told there's no such thing, but they provided me with a number of a rehab program, so I went, and I was told my insurance wouldn't cover the cost of the $8,000 program. I was told that the program, though, was cheaper than my habit. Disappointed and ashamed, desperate, I didn't know what to do next. I was afraid if I didn't get help, I'd be buying cocaine for the weekend. I did call my doctor for help, but he told me to go to the admitting office at the hospital, and he'd call the office, and they'd have all the papers ready. Ten minutes later, I was there. I was turned away because my insurance wouldn't immediately process the papers and give the okay. I was told to go home and they would call me. That was two days ago. Now I'm high on cocaine, crying ashamed, and feel like death. Sounds a little bit like Paul, doesn't it? I don't understand myself at all, for I really want to do what is right, but I can't. I do what I don't want to do, what I hate. For some of us, it may be drugs. For others, it might be the abuse of alcohol, or for others, maybe it's eating. Did you know that Americans spent $60 billion last year on dieting? Well, now, I grew up in California where dieting is uh, just part of the culture. It's what everybody does. And our house had seen about every kind of diet that you can even imagine. There was a grapefruit diet. That wasn't bad. I like grapefruit, so I didn't mind when we were on that. Then there was a handful diet where every two hours you got a handful of something. Now, if that was carrots or celery, that was good. If that was Sour Patch Kids, that probably wasn't very good to some of the people in the room, like you moms. And then there was a cabbage soup diet, and I remember that one quite effectively. Uh, That worked very well for many reasons, but I will just leave that to your imagination. (laughs) Now, I live in Wisconsin, and we're definitely a lot more seasonal. We're a lot more like bears. We seem to kind of store up for the winter, and if you're like me, I eat all year long just to kind of store up in case winter comes early. But I'll tell you, you know, we laugh, but for some of us, the pain is really real. And we're stuck in this cycle that we just can't seem to get out of. And the struggle that we feel doesn't go away, and it's leaving us feeling empty, and we're feeling out of control. And it's really starting to affect our health, and we're not really sure what to do next. Maybe for some of you, it's money. People, or somebody said once that we buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people that we don't even know. And maybe there's some more truth to that than we'd even like to admit. 
A few weeks back, Ben talked about peace and how we sometimes chase after material things, hoping to find that peace and to find that happiness. But in the end, it really doesn't fulfill us at all. And the guilt of buying things that we can't afford just starts to creep in and the debt starts to cripple us. If it hasn't crippled us yet, we know it's really just a matter of time before it takes complete control. Addictive shopping's on the rise. There was a survey said that high school girls, their number one favorite pastime, the thing they enjoy doing the most, number one is shopping. Dating is number six. Now, as a father of four, two of them girls still in their teens, I am glad that dating is number six. I am petrified that shopping is number one. Well, I'll tell you, for some of us, it's our mouth. Gary Smalley, he's a well-known counselor. He said once that um, he put out his hand and, and he said, you know, sometimes we use our tongue and we dishonor people in our lives and we say things like, you can't do anything right. And that person's spirit starts to close. And then we throw out a few more uncontrolled words like, why can't you be more like your brother? And that spirit starts to close even a little bit more. And then we finish off an assault that says, you're never really going to amount to anything. And we've closed off that spirit quite well. And then that fist gets pointed back at us. And because of the anger and the devastation that you've created, and maybe you were the one that was on the receiving end of that and that's left some deep scars the lack of control can produce such damaging results and it can start to kill the spirit. The book of James describes this so well. I like the way the message translates this. In James 3, a bit in the mouth of a horse controls the whole horse. A small rudder on a huge ship in the hands of a skilled captain sets a course in the face of the strongest winds. A word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. It only takes a spark, remember, to set off a forest fire a careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that. By our speech, we can ruin the world, turn harmony to chaos, throw mud on a reputation, send the whole world up in smoke, and go up in smoke with it, smoke right from the pit of hell. This is scary. You can tame a tiger, but you can't tame a tongue. It's never been done. The tongue runs wild, a wanton killer. With our tongues, we bless God our Father. With the same tongues, we curse the very men and women he made in our image. Curses and blessings out of the same mouth. Curses and blessings out of the same mouth. As we hear that scripture, we're kind of silent because we know that in some form, whether it's in recent or whether it's in the past, that we've been there. We've been that person. We have a hard time sometimes controlling our words. I don't know what behavior or habit that you're struggling to control. Maybe it's workaholism. Maybe it's Facebook. And that can be an issue as you chase the approval of others. Maybe it's television and the amount of time that we just use that to escape. Maybe it's sports, alcohol, drugs, smoking, eating, temper, relationships, your words. Whatever it is, I want you to know that there is a higher power that can help you to get control of these things that are controlling you. Didn't I say we're going to have some fun today? Well, let's look back at the higher power. Galatians chapter 5, 22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When the Holy Spirit is in control of our lives, He'll produce this kind of fruit in us. He'll do this. This is so important. I want you guys to say this together with me. You ready? When the Holy Spirit is in control of our lives, He will produce this kind of fruit in us. So if the Holy Spirit of God gives us the fruit of spirit, will give us that fruit of self-control, 
So how does the God, the Holy Spirit, help us kick these habits and gain control of these areas in our lives where we've lost control? Well, before we talk about how the Holy Spirit can set us free, there's one thing, and you can't skip this if you want to experience the, the, the power of, of God in your life. We need to ask Jesus to set us free. The Apostle Paul wrote this, what a wretched man I am, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? This is Paul, you guys. This is super Christian Paul. He goes on in verse 25, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we ask Jesus to set us free. Sounds easy, but this is tough because sometimes we have a hard time even admitting that we even have a problem to begin with. And that word is called denial. Denial is when you say, I don't have a problem. I can quit anytime. I don't have a problem. I've got control over this. I just don't want to stop right now. I can handle this. But you know what the antidote for denial is? The antidote for denial is pain. It's when you get to that point that you're going to lose something, something that you weren't expecting to lose. You're going to lose your spouse. You're going to lose your job. You're going to lose your house, a relationship. You might even lose your family. And you're going to lose something that you really weren't planning on losing. And it became, the pain becomes so great that you're finally willing to admit and you're finally willing to change. The well-known writer and theologian C.S. Lewis once said, God whispers to us in our pleasure, he speaks to us in our conscience, but he shouts to us in our pain. Often God gets our attention the most when they're in the, we're in the midst of pain. And we know this, and many of us have experienced this in the past, and some of you are experiencing this in the room today. I know it's true in my past that when catastrophe has hit, when I've hit rock bottom, once I or once we've hit rock bottom, that's kind of when the healing starts to begin. You see, the truth for most of us is we don't change when we see the light. We change when we feel the heat. One guy said it happened to me when the acid of my pain ate through the wall of my denial. And the truth is the pain was really the pathway that led us to humble ourselves before Jesus to begin with and to ask him to set us free. So before we do anything or we talk about how God can set us free, we first need to admit that we have a problem. We need to humble ourselves and ask Jesus to set us free. Now I want to share three aspects of what I think Jesus will do for us if we will partner with him in setting us free and kicking these bad habits and these behaviors that are in our lives. The first thing is we have to admit that we are powerless apart from Jesus Christ. We have to get to that point in our life where we say, you know what, I'm powerless in this. Anybody who's ever been a follower of Jesus has to get to that point in their life that they say, I'm powerless in this. Maybe, you know, my sin has got me in this hold. I can't do this because truthfully, if I could have, I would have. So I know I never will. It's no matter about trying any harder. We have to say, I'm powerless. Now, notice I didn't say hopeless, I said powerless. Have you reached that point in your life where you can acknowledge that you can't do this on your own? Remember, even the Apostle Paul got to that point. He says in Romans six seventeen, thank God once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin and you become slaves to righteous living. Jesus has set you free and he's able to set you free from because of his death, burial, and his resurrection. But for many of us, this is going to be the hardest part because it involves a lot of humility. It really does. It's hard to admit that we don't have it all together. 
I love the street sign that we have out in front of our church. It says, come as you are. And I can't tell you how many people that I've talked to that said, you know what? I came to your church because it said, come as you are. And I am so glad that they did. And we love them for that. And if you're new here, I hope you know that. I hope you know that we're a church that wants you to come as you are. But I also want you to know that if you call River Glen your home, that sign is out there for you as well. Are you coming as you are? Are you ready to admit that there's an area in your life that you just don't have together and that things in your life might just be a little bit out of control? Are you ready to humble yourselves before God? You see, we need him. We need his power. We need his strength. We need him to change us. We need him to chisel away all those things in our life that don't belong there. Those things that are keeping us from being who he created us to be, that new you. Well, the second thing is we need to trust in Christ's power to set us free. So first we need to admit that we're powerless. Second, we need to trust in Christ's power. There's no power like the power of Jesus. I mean, think about it. If God can raise Christ from the dead, he can do anything. Nothing is out of reach for him. Not your addictions, not those things that you've been battling your whole life, not even those things in your life that you haven't even told your husband yet, those things in your life that you haven't told your wife the people that you're closest to, I need you to know that, that he can fix that. Kids, those areas in your life that you haven't even talked to your parents about, nothing is out of reach for him. I need you to know that. His power can set you free, not yours, but his. And that should be some really good news. And Jesus said himself in John 8, 36, so if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. You see, Jesus paid a great price to set you free, and that's what Jesus offers to every single one of us. We believe that Jesus can set us free, but I also want you to know that there's more than that. It's more than just a simple belief that Jesus has the power to change us. That's not enough. We need to embrace him as our Savior. He needs to be the one hope for us, the power that's in us. It's not enough to know that he's the Savior of the world. He needs to be your Savior. It's not enough to be to know that he's the Lord of the world, he needs to be the Lord over your lives. He has to become that person who is in control over every aspect of your life. For the last nine weeks, we've been talking about the new you, becoming who God desires you to be, embodying that fruit of the Holy Spirit within our lives. And that's what we want, right? We want him to change us. I need to tell you something, you'll never become the new you and to embrace Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. And it's my prayer that as we wrap up this series, that today will be the day that when you not only surrender those areas in your life that you're struggling with, that you've lost control over, but that you, you surrender your entire life over to him as well. I'm praying that prayer that Paul prayed in Ephesians 1.19. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him, This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. I'm praying today that you'll make him the Lord and the Savior of your life. Now, for others, maybe you've made that decision some time ago. You accept him as your Savior, but I'm going to ask you, is he your Lord? Is it time to put him back in that place where he belongs and let him be the the Lord over all the areas of your life? Maybe it's time to open up those closet doors, those hidden areas in your life, and let him in. And I hope by the end of today that you'd be ready to put him into that place. Let's go on and let's talk about the third way that we can partner with Jesus in setting us free and kicking these bad habits. We must surrender our will to Christ's control. 
Now, that's a daily thing. This is an everyday thing that we need to surrender to Christ's control. And you can't do this on your own. You can't will yourself or work hard enough to do this on your own. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 1, 8, 9. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die, but as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves, and we learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. So just like Paul, when we get to that place that we realize just how powerless we are, we realize that God and only God is a person that can set us free. But as many of you know, it's, it's not that easy sometimes, and it's not only a daily battle, but sometimes it can be an hourly battle. My friend Rose Martin has a battle like this, and she attends here at River Glen, and she shared this letter with me this week, and I asked her permission to share it with you, and she agreed. It says, when I realized that my faith was very unfinished in the area of self-control in particular, I dove into the Word, and I took several steps in faith to walk with God more closely. God has shown himself to me in amazing ways. He has deepened my faith and reliance on his strength. He and I are working together to make me the spiritual and physical person I want to be to bring him glory. In the last year and a half, I lost 225 pounds and become more able to be his hands and feet, all while restoring my health. I'm unfinished, but I really know where my strength comes from. Every day, he presents me with more opportunities to bring him glory. I'm impressed at the 225. I'm more impressed with what she said in the end. I love that she says, every day he presents me with more opportunities to bring him glory. She understands this is an everyday battle, and she's chosen to partner with God in this journey. And that's why every day moving forward, you need, need to be able to rely on the Holy Spirit to keep you free. You see, when we give our lives to Christ, God sends us this free gift of the Holy Spirit to live inside of us. That is an amazing thought that you have God living inside of you. And so if he's living inside of us, we need to rely on God's Spirit to keep us free because it's an ongoing process. God's Spirit will continue to work in those areas in our lives to help us overcome those areas in our lives that we need, that we so desperately need self-control in. He'll produce this through his Spirit. That's why we call him the fruit of the Spirit. Remember, he produces this in us. I know some of you are probably sitting there saying, okay, well, what's my problem? I'm a believer. I have the Holy Spirit living in me. Why am I losing this battle? Why can't I get a hold of my drinking, my temper, my lust, my greed, my tongue? What am I doing wrong? Do other Christians feel this way or am I alone? I get it. I know how frustrating it is when you get to that point where you've given it over to God and you think you're free but only later that you fall back and you slip back and you realize that you're not really free at all. I've probably been there more times than I could ever count. And Paul says this in Galatians 3.3, how foolish can you be after starting your new lives in the spirit? Why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? In the past, this is how it's happened to me and, and maybe this has happened to you as well. We trust, trust in Jesus to set us free but we don't trust in him to keep us free. We say, thanks, God, for helping me out with that. That was a close one. Whew, I'm so glad you're up there. Thanks, I got it from here. No wonder Paul calls us foolish. Paul says, don't you remember? That's what broke you in the first place. You admitted that you were powerless to overcome that habit or that behavior. Why do you think that you can take it from here? Remember, that same power that set us free is that same power that's going to keep us free. 
So how does God keep us free? Well, we talked about it earlier. It's a partnership, but he also wants us to be responsive. God loves us so much that he wants to transform us into this new you, this thing that we've been talking about in this series this summer. He wants to take away, he wants to chisel away all those things in your life that don't belong there so that the only thing that's left is the fruit of the Spirit. So do you really want to stay free? Well, then I need to ask you, are you ready to be responsive? What if he wants to chisel away a relationship in your life that's inappropriate? What if he wants you to abstain from drinking because it's starting to create a small problem and maybe it's affecting your family? What if God wants to chisel away the love of money or pride? What about those secret areas of your life that you run to because they give you some comfort? Are you really ready to let him chisel those out of your life? I'm asking, are you willing to be be responsive and let him go to work on you? You see, part of the work of the Holy Spirit is to bring conviction in our lives and let us know what areas in our lives that are hurting others, but also what areas are hurting ourselves as well. So the way that we stay free is we pray the prayer that the psalmist prayed. Psalms 139, verse 23, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. If you really want to stay free, pray this prayer daily. Search me, God. Search me, God, and chisel away all the things in my life that don't belong there. This verse tells us that we need to confess to God and we need to surrender to God's will daily. There's a line in that scripture that really hit home for me. Point out anything in me that offends you. I think we've all had some time in our lives where that's not a very comfortable prayer because we really don't want God looking that closely at us. We don't want him digging down into our lives. He might not like what he sees. And we feel this way because somewhere along the way, we've bought into this lie that God's love is conditional. But I need, to, I need to let you know something. God loves you exactly the way that you are today, sitting here in this room. Now, some of you are saying, well, Don, I know you're saying this, but for some of us, but this isn't all of us. This isn't me. You don't know the things that I've done in my life. You don't know where I, what I'm doing in my life right now. Or you don't know how many times that I've broken a promise to God. I don't think he sees me the same way as he sees some other people in this room. You know, a few, few weeks back, Andy reminded us that we're not really hiding anything from God. He's not surprised at what's in your closet. He doesn't go, whoa, I didn't see that one coming. You know, he wants you to understand it's because he knows everything about you. He knows exactly what to chisel away out of your life. He knows exactly what doesn't belong there. So let me say this to you again. God loves you exactly the way that you are. God's never going to love you any more than he loves you right now. He's never going to love you any less than he loves you right now. God loves you so much, he doesn't want to leave you where you are, though. And I want you to understand, he breathed life into you. Do you really think he would leave you there? He wants to transform you. He has a plan for you, and he's had a plan for you your entire life. He loves you, and I need you to know that you can trust him. It's never too late to become the new you. We've been talking about being an unfinished church and an unfinished people, and our unfinished scripture is out in the lobby on the wall. It's Philippians 1.6, and it's so fitting today. And I'm certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So it's time. Maybe for you it's time to pray that prayer and ask God to search you and to find those things in your life that 
he needs to remove. Maybe it's time for you to check out Celebrate Recovery and connect with other people who have some of the same hang-ups or habits that you might have. There's an old saying, you're as sick as your secrets. And let me tell you something, we're all in recovery. For others, it's a time to join a small group and check out Group Link. That's in three weeks. I encourage you to go to the Connect Wall and sign up for that. For many of us, though, it's just time to let go and just start to let the Holy Spirit work in our life and let Him produce the fruit of the Spirit in our life. Let's read them one last time together, okay? Nice and loud. Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's a song that's been in my head for some time, and it reminds me that God is so big and that he loves me so much that he doesn't want to leave me in the condition I'm in. That was never his plan to begin with. He breathed life into me, and he wants me, and he wants to create me into a new you, and he wants to create you as well into a new you. In a moment, the band's going to sing, and and then afterwards, we're going to pray, and we'll take communion together.